you would turn with me to Luke chapter 5, we'll be reading verses 12 through 16. And please stand, in, stand when you found your place for the reading of God's holy word. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the lep leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Reading the word, you may be seated. This is... One of the very first passages I've had the privilege of being able to, to preach on a second time. About a, two and a half years ago, I first talked about this, this leprous uh, man that Jesus has an encounter with. Um, and, and I want to uh, talk, talk about that again today because it is in the order of um, what Jesus did. But for us to ultimately to, to grasp what it would have meant to, to, be, a, to be a leper. And so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about that today. Like I said in just a minute ago... Uh, last week, Peter was in his boat. Jesus was preaching. He, he had Peter cast him out a little bit. After that whole night of, of fishing, the expert fisherman, Peter, could catch nothing, and Jesus tells him to cast out to the other side, which, um, from a fisherman's point of view, made no sense, but he was showing his authority over creation, that if Jesus tells the fish to get into the net, they will get into the net. And this made Peter realize exactly who Jesus is, and in doing so, it made Peter realize who he is. It made Peter realize, he said, Lord, go away from me, I'm a sinner. Uh, we all should, when we have that moment where we recognize exactly who Christ is, it should cause us to recognize exactly who we are. But as we go on, we, we look and it says they, they, they begged Jesus to stay, and we can understand that. If Jesus were walking in our midst, we would beg him to stay. Just like when, when loved ones visit from out of town, we, we beg them to stay. And it's the same reason we will mourn greatly in just a little while with the family, because we know that feeling of having longing for someone to be able to stay, but, but they, they must go. And, and here we see Christ saying that he must go and preach the gospel, the good news of the salvation and the kingdom to, to other places. And the people understood that, but you had the Messiah with you. Why would you want him to go? My question, my first question to you is, why would you not follow him? They could have got up and followed him. They knew who he was. They saw the miracles. They, they witnessed, they, they heard the, the might, mighty deeds he has done. They've heard his preaching, but yet most of them stay. But Peter and, and his other, uh, his friends um, and his brother are, are called as disciples, and they follow Jesus, and that's where we pick up today. And so as we follow, we see that there's this man who is a leper who, who approaches Jesus, and, and he asks Jesus to heal him um, if he is willing and so first we, we want to talk a little bit about what it means to have leprosy. That seems like one of those diseases that is from the ancient world that doesn't really occur today. But that is actually quite incorrect. Uh, every year there, there's uh, about 250,000 people in the world who, who, who um, attract uh, leprosy. And uh, of the people in the world with leprosy, about one million of them uh, currently are permanently disabled from leprosy. Um, the leprosy that, that we talk about, there's a few different forms, but the one we see here in Scripture is what we would call Hansen's disease today. Um, and it's something that up until about 1870, we didn't discover the bacteria that was causing it. We would treat it like we treat gangrene, and we would cut off limbs and that sort of thing, because that is how 
uh, we thought it was spread that it would contact one and get to the rest of the body when in fact it's contacted on your skin and it permeates in inward and it is a very slow developing disease you actually have it for about a decade before you see any signs of it and, and so this was a very serious uh, thing I'll read you a little bit, bit here about the disease it begins with numbness in your fingers and toes the disease progresses, it goes extremely slowly through the skin and you'll start to have yellow lesions that, that form usually on the face, forehead, and joints. Hair in those places starts to change the color to match those lesions. Um, lesions and, and as I said, it lasts for about 10 years before it starts to penetrate into the muscles and bones. Um, your hair will begin to turn white and woolly and eventually falls out. Um, you'll have these lesions will turn hard and become scabs and the scabs will eventually fall off, um, leaving, leaving exposure for uh, the leprosy to spread um, to other places on your body and also to spread to other individuals. Um, your nails begin to swell, curl up, and will eventually fall off. Your mu mucous membranes um, uh, start to disappear and you lose them, so you'll have permanent bleeding in the gums. Um, you, you'll have a constant flow of uh, saliva. Your nerves will be attacked and they'll become very dull, resulting in the loss of um, feeling in your fingers, the loss of touch, um, sometimes even the loss of eyesight. The final stage, and this is the important one for today's scripture for us to pay attention to, is it involves extreme weight loss, becoming exceedingly weak, chronic diarrhea and thirst, and a burning fever. And the final stage is capped off by your organs um, being attacked, which, which leads to death. But I want to point out that what Luke says is that this man that approached Jesus was full of leprosy, that Luke is a doctor, that is his profession, and so he is telling us that this man is at the final stages. So the man that Jesus sees approaching him is the man that his hair is falling out, he is very skinny, very disease-ridden, and he would have been considered untouchable. You would not touch, a leper would have to cover their face up to their nose and, and uh, cry out, unclean, unclean, they would have to have their, their clothes ripped and and they would live isolated outside the community, but if they had to be walking on a road for some reason, they, they would have to cross the street and yell, unclean, unclean, so that the people that were walking by would realize that this, this man had this disease, he, and he was contagious, and so he would not contract it to anyone else. Now, we, we want to understand what, what leprosy would have meant to the, the people in, Jew, in Jesus' days, the Jewish people. And so I want to bring up uh, three cases of leprosy in the Old Testament. First one's Miriam, the, the sister of, of Moses. She is uh, caught slandering, um, talking badly about Moses' wife, bringing up the fact that she's not really a true Hebrew. She's Ethiopian and that she's not good enough to, to be in this sacred community that God has called out into the wilderness that is set free from Egypt. And so what happens to her? God strikes her with leprosy. That is what Scripture says. And so the first time we actually see any anyone of Jewish descent with leprosy is a divine judgment by God. It's very important for us to understand the mentality that Jewish people had in Jesus' days. Then there's King Uzziah, a, a Jewish king. He was considered a good king, a pious king. He was a religious man who tried to observe all the commands of God, but he slips up. There's one moment where he does something very silly. He puts on the high priest's robe, and he goes into the temple. And he proceeds to go into the Holy of Holies and offer a burnt um, offering of incense. And what happens? He is struck with leprosy because he has assumed authority that does not belong to the king, but to the high priest. And so God has forbidden this to happen. And so he is struck with leprosy and he is cast out even that he is the king. 
because God's law demands it. And he lives the rest of his days in a leper colony, king. Think about that. God does not spare you because you have some high important role in your society. Gehazi, Elisha's servant, was faithful for years, but when God permitted Elisha to heal Naaman, who is the commander of the Syrian army, in return, Naaman paid Elisha tribute for his miracle. But instead of praising God, Gehazi gets jealous of the money that Elisha gets. And when confronted by Elisha about, about this hardness in his heart, he lies about it. He says, yeah, that is not what going, is going on. And you can guess what happened next. Gehazi is struck with leprosy. So the three instances we have of leprosy in the Old Testament are all divine judgments by God. And so what do you think the Jewish mindset is in that day? That if you were a leper, you are of some kind of great sinner because God has struck you down with leprosy. And so you were cast out, you were ostracized, you were placed outside of the community. Now we also have one other instance where Moses, when he's up on that mountain after the burning bush moment, um, God is showing him his power. He says, so stick your arm um, in, into your um, outfit, and then he takes it out in his hands, leprous, and he puts it back in, and he heals it. So also they have an understanding that there is one who can heal leprosy, that is God. And so we need to understand all, all that, that is going on in, in these moments when, when this man encounters uh, Jesus. But I want us to, to think about for a moment, who does the leper represent? Sin. It represents us. Now let's think about it. We are, are the leper because we, are, we have been cursed with sin. We have sinned, we have fallen short of the glory of God, and, and our bodies are slowly dying. We have no hope of being healed outside of salvation from Jesus Christ, who is God. We need Jesus as this leper needs Jesus. Right, amen. And so we should be able to see this in this story, what, what is happening. The, the people that the world says, get rid of them. They're sinners. Cast them out. They can't be part of our community. That's you and I. We were cast out of the garden. But God was willing to come and touch us. He was willing to go to the cross. And this leper man, as he approaches Jesus, says, Lord, if you are willing, is Jesus willing to save you today? Absolutely he is. That is why he came to the cross. So that you might be saved. So that we might offer hope to one another because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that service in just a little while. We're going to offer hope through the gospel. Because that is the only hope we have. Amen. Let me ask you a question. My Wednesday night group did not allowed to answer because I already spoiled it for you. How many Jewish people that had contracted leprosy from the time that Moses gave the law... To the time where Jesus is about to touch that man has ever been healed of leprosy. Zero. There have been zero Jewish people. These are the covenant people of God. The apple of God's eyes. You know, there have been people that have been healed. Naaman was healed. He was a commander of the Syrian's army. The enemies of God. But the Jews were not healed. So there was uh, commands by Moses given to the priest. What to do when a leprous man has been healed, they have to go and they have to um, make an offering to God. And, and the, the priest has to verify that they have actually been healed so they can re-enter the community. But they've been training and training for 1,400 years. And never has there been a priest who has witnessed a leper being healed. Until this day. This man approaches Jesus and says, Lord, 
if you are willing, and Mark records that Jesus has what? Compassion on him. And he says, I am willing. And he reaches out and touches the leper. That is important. Why? Well, when we first encounter Jesus uh, going into Capernaum, there, there's that, that uh, governing ruler who comes and says, uh, Jesus, my, my, my son is sick. He is dying. He has a great fever. Would you come with me and heal him? And Jesus responds, you'll never believe unless you see signs and miracles. He says, go, your son will live. When we know from Scripture that place is over 20 miles away from where Jesus was. Jesus could have just said, said to the leper, you are healed, go on your way, go pay your tribute, go see the high priest so he could verify that you have been healed. But no, Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper. And in doing that, he touches the disease that has plagued that man. That man probably would have had that for at least 20 years to be at the point of near death that he is at. So understand that, that Jesus is not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of, of whatever is causing you to not to come to him. Over and over again, we hear people, I've got to get right with God, and then I'll start going to church. No, you don't, because you'll never be right with God, because you can't defeat sin. You'd be like the leprous man saying, well, I've got to get rid of this leprosy, then I'll go worship God in the temple. Well, you're never going to be in the temple because you can never get rid of leprosy on your own. It's only not till 1940 did we develop an antibiotic that starts to attack the, 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 um, the, the part that, that causes leprosy in our bodies. Think about that. 1,900 years later, we just figured out how to do what Jesus did with the command. He has authority over disease. Amen. So when we, when we look and think about all the things that are going on in our life, I implore you, Stop waiting to come to Jesus. Be like the leper. Amen. Come and say, Lord, if you are willing. Amen. Is he willing? Amen. Absolutely he is willing. He has come to this earth to save you. It is why he was born. It is why he always has the cross in his mind. Everything he is doing right now is leading to the cross. Because what is going to happen when this leprous man is healed? This leprous man is going to go into the temple. He's going to reveal to him that this man named Jesus made him well. And that the high priest is going to be forced to give praise to the Father for this man named Jesus. Amen. And we know later on that very same high priest will say, You fools, it is better for one man to die than the whole nation. It is the same high priest that will put Jesus to death. But the people will see it and they will give glory to God. And we... we we see often Jesus commands them not to go and tell anyone. But with this, even if that command is given, this leprous man like you and I would be like, Jesus telling you, okay, you've been saved, don't tell anyone. If you've genuinely been saved, you can't help but tell people. Amen. Because you have truly been set free. That is that amazing grace that we sing about. That a wretched sinner like me would be allowed to be free. That I would no longer be a slave. I would no longer be a prisoner. That Satan would no longer have any hold on me. But I would genuinely and truly be free. You can be free this day. You don't have to wait another day. You don't have to, to wait to whatever the yuck in your life is. Whatever sin, whatever addiction, whatever disease. What, whatever is not right within you, between you and God. You can make it right today because it is God who will make it right. Amen. It is not us who, who end up doing it. Well, what, what is on us? We go to Jesus. We could use this leprous man and think about 
his prayer. His prayer is very simple. A lot of people are like, well, what do I say to be saved? It's not the words you say. It's what is in your heart. Do you have faith in Christ? Amen. What does he say? Lord, if you are willing, God, will you save me? He says, yes, I will. Have faith that he will and you are. Amen. And it, it is that simple. The world hates the gospel. You know why? Because the world wants to say, you have to do this and you have to do this and do this and this. And they add rules and rules and laws and laws. Up and up and up. And no matter what you do, you will never be able to climb that ladder. Because there will always be another rung because the world says you are not good enough. Because this world is ruled by Satan. Amen. He is the father of lies. Amen. He's always whispering to you about your past, what you've done. I've said it before and I know it's a bit cliche, but when he starts whispering in your ear, telling you those lies, remind him of his future. Amen. He is the one hell was made for. He is not king of hell or ruler of hell as our cartoons like the picture. He is the one that will be tormented in hell day and night for all eternity. And he will get what he deserves. But praise God, you and I will not get what we deserve. We will get the grace that God freely gives us if we receive him by faith. Amen. So we, we, we talked about the prayer of the leper. Let's, let's talk about the, the response. Jesus responds with loving compassion. So many people in this world view God as this, this hardcore, evil, judgmental figure that, that is looking over the cosmos, just looking for a reason to strike you down. God is also the compassionate God. Amen. He is not evil. He is not looking to be vengeful. He is looking over and over again to extend His mercy and His grace. He is drawing you back to him. He wants to make that relationship right. How many, here, how many here have relationships with your family, your friends that are not right? That you wish if you could, you could just make it right. Take that pain from the past and have both parties get over it and focus on the future. That is what God offers in the gospel. Amen. He says, I know all that you've done. I am God. And I forgive you. I will remove it from us. It will be as far as the east is from the west. Wrap your mind around what Jesus means when he says that. As far as the east is from the west. The Father says your sin will be remembered no more. We have a hard time with that because we remember our sin. We have that shame. But we, we get teared up when we, we sing songs of Jesus going to the cross. I love that song, Glorious Day. But there's a part in there that talks about the hill of Calvary. And that, that part stings a little. Because I know why he had to go. Because I am a sinner. We are all sinners. But Jesus' response is one of mercy. Now this testimony that this man would have gone to the high priest and given. They would have had to give God praise. I would ask what question is. If you receive Christ as your Savior, what's your testimony? This leper went and gave his testimony right away. His testimony was pretty simple. I'm a man who is struck with leprosy. I've been plagued with this disease for years. And I heard about a man named Jesus. And he had mercy on me and he healed me. Your testimony, the words of it may be different. But overall it is the same. You were a sinner. If you've come to Jesus and placed your faith in him. You have now been saved, saved, made whole, made well. Yes, this fleshly body is still 
contaminated with the curse of sin, but it will be put to death one day. And God promises, just as he rose his son from the grave, he will raise you up and you will have a very, uh, the very same glorified type of body that Christ has. Amen. Amen. And you will be with him for what? Ever. Forever. You will have no less days. Amen. To sing God's praise. Amen. If I have my way, we'll still sing Amazing Grace. Amen. Amen. I'm sure there's some other beautiful songs we'll sing as well. But it is the grace that, that draws us to that sense of awe. Because we do not deserve it. This man, he had done nothing to deserve the compassion from Jesus. And I, I would have us look into our hearts. Do we have that kind of compassion for other people? Or are we quick to judge and say they deserve what they're getting? Many people have had a hard life. and Let's be honest. Many of those people, they've got themselves in that situation. But God has compassion. We don't know why this man has leprosy. There was a lot of laws given. The Pharisees would teach that no disease ever had plagued the, the Hebrew people until after they sinned, after the giving of the Ten Commandments. And it's not till later when Moses is giving uh, the full um, section of the laws for the nation does he give laws about leprosy. Because now leprosy has entered into the, the faith community of the Hebrew people. And so... So we, we see, we don't know why this man is leprous. Maybe he did something sinful and came in contact and, and broke one of the laws of God that there were strict laws of, about how to deal with people that are leprous. God wanted the community to show compassion, but also to separate themselves. And so are we, are we willing to have compassion on people, but also be very clear and share the gospel that there, there is a life we are called to live and we can no longer be part of our leprous sinful life. We, we have been called, we have been healed to live a righteous and holy life. Christ says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You will stumble, yes, but we are to strive to be as holy of a people as we can. So that when people see us, when that high priest or when the, the, the judgmental rulers of this world look at you, when the people at your work look at you, when your family looks at you, what will they see? Will they see the same leprous person they've always seen? Or they see someone who has been healed, who has been changed, who is giving great testimony to God, and they can do nothing else but recognize that your life has been changed and say, well, if you say God has changed your life, I must believe you. Maybe they don't want that change, but they must recognize for what it has happened. Now, the third one I want us to focus on that, that Luke adds in here is really important. I don't think we focus on this enough as Christians. It says, Jesus went off to a desolate place often to pray. How often do you pray? Be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or say it out loud. But did you take serious time to, to pray? Or was life too busy? It says Jesus, and I guarantee you no matter how busy your life is, your life was not as busy as Jesus' was. The word was getting around that Jesus could heal. It says they kept bringing him people that, that were disease-ridden, had infirmities, people that were demon-possessed. Jesus literally could have opened up a, a medical facility and been staying awake 24-7 and healing people, and there would never be a shortage of people that would have came. He was busy, but he knew, humanly speaking, the human part of him had to go away and have that Sabbath rest, had to have that time with the Father. I think one of the things plaguing Christians, myself included, is that we don't take that time off that time to say, I need some rest. I need to spend some time alone with, with God and with my family. Do we do that? 
Do you have time in your schedule? Make time. Even if it means you have to get up earlier in the morning before the stresses of the day are upon you. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Amen. Have that one-on-one -on -one time with God. Maybe you're a mother that's working hard and the kids are always climbing over you or, or you got so many responsibilities. Tell them you need a few minutes. Go in your closet. Shut the door. Lock the bathroom. Whatever it is you have to do, get your quiet time with God. You need that. It will restore your soul. We see Jesus has this time. And I implore that, that we all would have this time. Because Jesus needed time with the Father, as do we. You know, we have never done something so amazing as, as healed somebody from leprosy or cast out demons. But we feel the stress of life, and it gets us uh, down. And many of us, I think, we don't really acknowledge it in these terms, but we get burnt out in life. We get overwhelmed by constantly, day after day, week after week, year after year, going to work and dealing with those stresses, or dealing with the chaos and the and the, the, the family life that goes on, and we never have that time to, to just be with God and realize and see all the things that He's doing around us. Think of that. You know, most, most people uh, don't get burnt out because they're tired. They get burnt out because they're resentful, because they don't feel appreciated. And where does that come from? It comes from day after day, week after week, year after year, not being in the Word, not taking that time, not taking time to be alone with God and praying. And so what happens? The devil's over here saying, oh, they don't really love you. Oh, your family doesn't really appreciate you. That job, they're just using you over and over again. And day after day, you maybe will put it off. But week after week, eventually the devil breaks you down. And there's only one thing that is going to beat the devil back, and that is your father. God. He tells you to be in prayer. He tells you to be in the Word. You know, my men's group will find out real soon. Why, why should we be in the Word? Come on, Russ, I know you know. Ephesians chapter 6. Why are you to be in the Word? Be in the Word to protect you from the devil. Yeah, what is the Word of God in the, the armor of God, sword. Ephesians 6? It is the sword. Sword, two-edged sword. Yeah. Well, what does a shield do? It blocks. Have you, has an army ever won a battle just by using shields? No. The sword is used to block the attack of the enemy, but it is also used to attack back. But most of us never attack back because we're never in the Word of God. Or we're in it so rarely, we don't know what it actually says. I would long for the day to come where, where you don't, need to ask, what does this mean? You know what it means because you know what the Word of God says. I don't have some supernatural ability into the mind of God. He tells us right here. It is in His Holy Word. Right. We all have been given different gifts, preachers and teachers. But we all fight this spiritual battle each and every day. And if we're not willing to be in the Word and, and have that quiet time of prayer, we should not expect for God to show up. I want you to think about it like this, and we'll close in prayer. Those strained relationships you have, when is the last time you've reached out and tried to connect on those? Five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Imagine somebody 
you just happened to bump into that maybe you had a fight long ago and, and you wish that it, things would have been different, but they didn't turn out very well. And you haven't talked in 10 years and you run into the person and you briefly see him in the store and you go on and it brings back all those hurt feelings from all those years ago. And you, and you're, you got those hurt feelings built up and swelling up inside of you and you're wondering why they're still there. Why hasn't God brought healing to that moment or freed you from that addiction? Well, think about this. When is the last time you've actually spent time with God? You've actually been calling out to Him, been talking with Him. And I'm not talking about your, your speed prayers to bless your food. I'm talking about actually caring about God and, and giving your burdens over to Him. So few of us actually do that. In our Sunday school, we're reading about, about Esther and Mordecai and, and putting on the, the sackcloth and the ashes and mourning and, and beseeching God to change their fate, to change their country. Would we be willing to do such a thing? Most of us, I think, if we're honest in our hearts, we wouldn't be willing to put on sackcloth and people would know we're Christians. We need to make sure that the world knows who we are so that, that we can see that we are no longer those leprous, sinful people. We are no longer stuck in that life, but we are people trying to, to live a holy life, to show the testimony that God has done, the change that has occurred in our lives. But we can't do that if we never go to Jesus. Now, there were thousands of leprous people in Jesus' day. This one gets healed. And it's pretty obvious what the difference is. What is it? He sought the Lord. So as we, we close, I'll close in prayer. We'll sing that one final song. But I would ask you, are you willing to seek the Lord? Are you okay still being a leper? Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for this day. Thank you, Lord that you are who you are. You are the Holy Righteous One, the Son of God who came down to this earth, who, who went to the cross for our sins. Lord, I acknowledge sinfully, spiritually, I was that leper. And you woke me up, Lord. And I sought you and you healed me. You set me free. You saved me for all eternity. I pray if there's anyone here who is spiritually still that leper, Lord, allow them to come down. Allow them to, to realize that, that you have a great testimony waiting for them that you have a purpose and a plan for your life, and you, you desire to, to bring healing to restoration. The day is coming where you will return, Lord, and then it will be too late. Let us seek you this day while you are nearby. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.